I talk from here, can everybody hear me clearly? I, I prefer not to use a microphone if I don't have to. Um, so today I've been asked to talk to you, firstly to share some things about mental health, secondly to talk about emotion, thirdly to talk about stress, and fourth to talk about your Mount Everest. Um, and so I'm going to leverage my own experiences at, on Mount Everest or going up to Mount Everest and tell you some stories about that and the role of stress and the role of um, emotion and the role of having a personal goal in going to a high place in the world. In other words, achieving your own personal Mount Everest, all right? Um, usually a speaker stands up the front of a room and gets accolade because they're a, they're a raving success in life and they tell you how clever they are. But I am probably the world's biggest loser and I've lost uh, more things than you can count. And I think that gives me credibility in a certain way to say, I've had five marriages, but I'm on my sixth. So I've survived uh, five <laughs> devastating situations, but I didn't give up. Um, I lost $57 million in New York when the World Trade Center got hit by a terrorist. And here I am still running a business. So I bounced back. Um, I've had a spinal surgery and therefore the back of my spine is uh, made of metal. Um, and five, uh, three surgeries later I bounce back and I still race a road bike, I still swim in the ocean every single day. And so I, I can keep going on about how big a loser I am, but the fact is I'm 68 years old, I'm still here today having the, uh, uh, the time of my life and helping people live their lives. So I kind of like think I've come with an upside down credibility. I've lost a lot, but I've survived it all and therefore I know a lot about getting through stuff. So let me, uh, is, is that okay if I talk from that place? Yeah. Can I get a nod? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not coming at you with a, you know, I'm a big winner. Uh, this statement to me is so beautiful to see a company engage in this sort of language. I think it's just so profound. Um, I've worked with indigenous communities in Canada. I've worked, I've had an office for uh, 15 years in New York City. Uh, I very rarely see people brave enough to make this statement out, out, out front. So congratulations to you all to, for working for a company who's got the guts to say it. But there's something missing from this. And that is you can't give what you haven't got. You can't give what you haven't got. And one thing you learn from people going up a mountain and taking people into dangerous places is that there's a lot of people want to give more than they've got. They want to help people have love. They want to help
help Nepalese children have wealth. They want to help their friends go up a mountain. They want to help everybody, but they forget the most important thing. You can't give what you haven't got. It's impossible. So the time we invest in ourselves, self-development, the time we invest in me time, the time we invest in being away from family, away from work, away from sport, some downtime, resting the brain, is so important so that we can do things that are magnificent like that statement. When I take people up in the mountains, it's so, it's so incredibly interesting to see what happens. Everybody signs a piece of paper six months before they come on a trip to Nepal. I hereby declare that I understand the, the <coughs> dangers, the incredible uh, taxation on my physical body, the mental demands, and I hereby declare that I will spend six months preparing. They write it, and they sign that piece of paper. Here's me, I've signed it. And then they turn up in Kathmandu without shoes, uh, <laughs> having not done any training, but filled out the daily uh, report sheet to say, I'm ready. So on the first hill, halfway up the first hill, on the first day, up in the mountains, I get to work out who's really ready to be on the trip and not. And that's a really interesting thing because preparation is 99% of all success. And you can take away like a lot of talk and a lot of rhetoric. And when you're in a job like you're all in and it's really, really stressful, really, really stressful, you've got so many diverse aspects of your life pulling at you. You've got family pulling at you, You've got your health pulling at you. You've got your financial situation pulling at you. You've got your job obligations pulling at you. The fact that any human being in this room can concentrate for more than 30 seconds is a miracle. I really do believe that, that human beings can concentrate for even half an hour. It's a miracle. A Formula One racing car driver races for one hour and they take two weeks off afterwards to recover from one hour of concentration. And yet you come to work and someone says, concentrate on this for one hour while your phone's ringing, while the computer's flashing, while there's someone trying to talk to you. And they say, now quickly go home, spend a night at home looking after everything else and get back to work tomorrow and concentrate and do it again. It's a miracle what we do in a five-day working week. The fact that we can turn up and concentrate for one hour means you're all Formula One race car drivers, but you're just not paid as much. <laughs> we wish, right? So to get to know you, I'd like you to get to know you. And I'd like you to all grab a piece of paper, if you could, from somewhere. Okay, so the first part of this uh, presentation is really hard. You've got to draw a circle. <laughs> so uh, who was the artist who drew a perfect circle? Who was that? <laughs> it's not me. Uh, so draw a perfect circle, divide it into eight, which is one down the middle, one across, and then two diagonals. Divide it into eight. And now I'd love you to do this, to just label them, if you, can, if you can do it longhand, that's good. The top one is spiritual, 
The next one around is mental. Next one down is social. Next one down is career. Next one around is health. Next one around is financial. Next one around is relationship. And the last one is family. So that we all get to know, well, I'm not going to ask you to broadcast this, it's private. What I'd love you to do is score where you're at in your life. If this is a big fat zero, in other words, it's a disaster, let's say socially isolated, or you're 10 out of 10 out here, I'd just like you to put a cross on that line for your social. Social is how you engage outside your family and outside your work life with a community of some sort. So score yourself zero terrible, 10, 10 out of 10 is absolutely spectacular. Nobody's going to see this. I'm not going to ask you to broadcast it. It's private. Score yourself on the next level on mental. Mental is your, your emotional confidence. How emotionally confident you are in being you. So you might say, well, I've got emotional confidence because I feel strong and committed to what I'm doing or I feel uh, insecure and I lack confidence in what I'm doing. So give that a score from zero in the middle to somewhere along the line to number 10. You with me so far? Everybody, okay. Um, go down here to Korea. Nobody's gonna see it by the way. <laughs> so your boss isn't watching, Patrice, you're not watching anyone. Okay, so zero, where you're, uh, zero is terrible, 10 out of 10 out here, score yourself somewhere along the line of six, seven, or 10, or eight, or four, or three, along that line. Come round to your health. 10 out of 10 is absolutely perfect. Zero out of 10 is uh, uh, really a disaster. Somewhere along that line, you'll find a score. Come around again now to financial. 10 out of 10, abundant, super wealthy, don't want any more money, perfect. Zero is, oh my gosh, uh, I could do with a few more bucks. Uh, it's a disaster. So score yourself out of that. Relationship is the significant other in your life. And if there's no significant other, you're the significant other with yourself. So put, there's no such thing as a single person in my world. If you're with somebody, you're with somebody. If you're with nobody, you're with yourself. Same relationship. So score yourself zero out of 10. Zero in the middle is really bad. 10 out of 10 is absolute perfect, divine, super sacred, divine, gorgeous, sexy love. Like that, you know. And then uh, family is the broader spectrum of what we would call relationship. It means children, uh, uh, cousins, aunties, uncles, the broader spectrum of what we would define as being family. And that for you can be as broad or as narrow as you wish. 10, zero. The last one, spiritual, is how you feel inside yourself just before you fall asleep. Just before you fall asleep. You feel like the person that you're falling asleep inside your mind is relaxed and calm and content and feeling fulfilled? Or is that person inside your head still spinning with the day not finished 
and have anxiety and stretching themselves and worrying what's going on and therefore a little restless. Okay, 10 out of 10, zero. Okay, what I need you to do now, if you wouldn't mind, is join the dots. Something like that. This area in the middle is very important because this area in the middle signifies the amount of gratitude you have in your life because that's what you're thankful for. This area that's out here is what we would call your potential or what you could get thankful for if you got it. So this is your thankfulness. Now what happens in human development and personal change over and over again is someone comes along, like me, and starts rattling along out the front of the room and telling you how amazing you are and they pump you up and they start to tell you how amazing you can be in your career. And so what they do, human development goes like this and it's really, really got to be stopped. What human development do, it will take where you are in one area of life and milk it. So you actually grow your career score but what it does, it steals from another area of your life because the amount of gratitude we have doesn't change. It just changes shape. All right? So we can do a whole lifetime of human development. We can do workshops, meditation, yoga. I've spent, I've done 60 trips in the Himalayas, 60 trips, up with the monks, and I still don't know how to meditate. I've done three years living in India doing yoga and I still can't touch my toes. I did a year in Japan doing Zen. I still don't know how to do Zen. So when people tell us to do things and we go to extremes to do them, what we usually do is steal, steal energy and time from one thing and put it into another. When I was in Japan, I was going broke, but I was meditating in peace. So it felt like I was changing, but I didn't change. The amount of gratitude I had for life stayed fixed. The amount of thankfulness I had stayed fixed. It just went over there instead of over there. All right? So personal change, when we talk about it, and I'm going to get onto the Himalayas now before it's too late, personal change means expanding the amount of thankfulness we have for life. So a Himalayan mountain looks like this. There's the top. And there's seven layers to a Himalayan mountain, as there is in your life. Seven layers to your mind, and seven layers to every single thing you want to achieve. Seven candlesticks, it's biblical. It's the number seven, re it repeats itself in Buddhism, in Hinduism, in all philosophies, in Islam, in all philosophies around the world. The number seven is really important. So, when we climb a mountain, we have to know what our summit is. So I'd like you to grab your piece of paper and tell me, on, on your privacy, what your Mount Everest is. Is it a great family? Is it perfect health? Give me one thing that everything else in your life is second to. Just two words. Great family. Loving life. Um, perfect health. Just two things. Extreme wealth. 
Everybody's got one. And it's very important. Am I going too fast? It's okay. I know you guys got to eat soon. <laughs> so I'm sort of staying up. Um, this person here with this picture with scores below 10 cannot get to here. This, to get to the top of your Mount Everest, you have to be 10 out of 10 in all seven areas of life. But that's not possible while you're in a body because you're going to be, uh, uh, be challenged at work. Work's going to give you more work and they're going to be unthankful and thankful. So it's really hard working on the sensory level of interpretation of these seven areas of life to get to the top of the mountain. In Nepal, you cannot get to the top while you still judge yourself as a three or a four or a two or a one. The only way you can get to the top is with the, with the position that you are 10 out of 10 in all seven areas of life. And that's where we differentiate between inner wealth, what our inner heart and soul feels, and our outer wealth, which is what our senses experience. So this is your sensory perceptions. So your eyes, your ears, your hands, your touch, your smell, your taste, these senses determine your scores. And they're honest and they're real and they're outside of you. They're the things you own, things you touch, things you have. The inner wealth, which is the only way to get to the top, is actually declaring yourself full, content, satisfied on the inside. And the inside of you cannot be satisfied by the outside of you, and the outside of you cannot be satisfied by the inside of you. Those two topics have to remain completely separate. Nothing of the senses ever satisfies the soul. So at base camp, you can say, what are all the things I've got to do? What are all the things I've got to do to get to the top? Very sensory, highly emotional. So there's a lot of fist fights at base camp, a lot of arguments. A lot of people at base camp can afford the luxury of being right and wrong. So that's very emotional state. So at the bottom of the organisational pyramid, there are much more uh, arguments, quarrels between people than there are as it rises up. At the next level, on the way up the mountain, you have our should level. Should do. And these are very important things to get in place. They're your moral compass, call it, or your, your personal religion, your moral guidance system, the, the system that you use to determine whether you're going to cross a line or not cross a line. These things need to be in place. That's the second level up from base camp. People start to talk about the ethics and the emotions of being on Mount Everest at about the, after base camp. On the first camp, they start talking about those topics. The next one is your emotional, which is need to. So a highly um, actualized, self-actualized person won't be saying, I've got to get to work. They won't be saying, I should go to work. They're saying, I need to go to work to support my family. I need to go to work to create 
uh, the wealth that I need for security. I need to go to work. You'll hear them speak that way. And that means they're very, they're very down the track because they've got their got-tos and their shoulds all sorted. Then we rise up to this level which Maslow calls, uh, called self-actualized. I go to work, I go home, I'm with my kids, I go out on Sunday, I'm on holidays because I want to be there. This is the fourth camp. This is extreme emotion. This is the most emotional state you can be. Below got to is suicide. It is. Got to is the perception that there are seven positives to one negative in any one topic. If you go to eight, if you go eight negatives to one positive, or any polarity to that degree, if you go to that, you'll start thinking suicidal thoughts. So we need to be red flagging people who are saying got to. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. We need to be putting our arm around them and saying, yeah, okay. It's a, it's a signal, so easy for us to do. I hear it when I'm taking people up a mountain. If I hear I've got to get across here and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and we're getting higher up on the hill, for me, that's a red flag, you've got to go home. A got to person coming up to here will hurt themselves because the concentration is still, still very emotional. So you have the luxury uh, if you go fishing out in a boat that, to be emotional. And if you have the luxury to go to a movie you have the, or a theatre, you can be emotional. That's great. But if you're starting to come to work and you're being asked to concentrate or you're climbing up mountain or heading towards something you really, really, really want in your life, and you use the word got to, you can't afford it. And you need to get coaching or you need to get help to take that got to into a should. So these, uh, these are really important words, guys, because you hear each other talk. And if you want to enjoy this game of Mount Everest in your work life, you say, aha, I heard a got to. And if you will give each other permission, for mental health, there is no greater gift. When you hear someone say got to, you go, you sure? So as you rise up this thing, <coughs> it doesn't mean that your sensory awarenesses change. It means your focus changes from your emotional awareness to, to what's called abundance. You start to realise how lucky you are. The reason I've lost so much and failed so many times and and gone through so many experiences, I test myself. But I think I'm the luckiest person on earth, and I always have. So I just bounce back. And the rebound to 10 out of 10 is to realize how lucky you are. I know that doesn't sound very psychologically fulfilling, and for those of you who uh, need to be intellectually satisfied, it may be a, a little shallow, but for me, I think the words, I'm very lucky, are the most magical words that we can say, no matter where we are. And the resilience of those words is impenetrable. If you think you're lucky, you are. And if you think you're not, you're not. And I see people get sick and people get tired and people get exhausted because they think they've got bad luck or something's happened outside of their luck. But nothing ever happens outside of our luck. Our, it happens in our head first. 
So as we go up here, we use words like desire, and the most important word in the English dictionary, choose, and the most powerful word in the English dictionary, love. If you're going to the top of something, you, you can't do it unless you love it. And to love something means I'm 10 out of 10. And the skill of knowing that, I'll give you an example. Somebody said to me not so long ago, I'm really poor. And I say, okay, you're really poor. Give me $2 million. I'll give you $2 million cash for your eyeball. And I said, no. $20 million for your eyeball. No. $50 million for your eyeball. I got up to $200 million. They still were saying no for their eyeballs. I hadn't even got on to their bum yet. <laughs> Five minutes? Thank you. We're rich beyond measure, and yet we might even catch ourselves saying, I've got to earn money. We're rich beyond measure. We're wealthy beyond measure. We have eyes and ears and, and fingertips and things that we forget about because we're so busy. When it comes to social connection, we go, I'm so lonely. Are you really? There's a tree out there. If you hug the tree, it'll hug you back. It's not such a big jump. I take, I take youth at risk who are extremely uh, vulnerable. I don't give them a lecture like this. I just take them out in the bush and dig a hole. Transformative. They get their hands dirty and they've got to take their shoes off and get mud all over the place. And these kids come alive because they realise how abundant, how wonderful life can be if you just touch the, the leaves and the trees and the soil. And they suddenly realise the life is bigger than the little iPad that they've been uh, uh, working on or their friends approve. So, once a day, once a day, Somehow, somewhere in your working day, between the waking moment at, I don't know what time you'll get up, but mine's 4 a.m. Between the waking moment of 4 a.m. going to bed, I don't know what time you go to bed, but mine's 8 p.m. <laughs> Obviously bookended. Um, once a day, you've got to sit down with a pen and paper and say, where are my 10 out of 10 in all areas of my life? Otherwise, your Mount Everest, whatever you wrote down, it's impossible because your senses will hold you back. Your emotions will hold you back. I was walking up just to finish this up. I'm going to finish. <laughs> I promise. I was walking up a hill in Nepal, and I had this is how amazing life can be. I was walking up a hill, I had 13 people in my group, and there was a straggler. One lady, a yoga teacher, she'd been so proud of her health and so proud of her stamina. She's, she didn't train hard for the trip. And here we are going up a hill. We had to go up 1.5 kilometers up in altitude and then go down the other side, 1.5, to get to where we're going to sleep tonight. And we were, I don't know, 200 meters up the hill and she's cooked. And I'm walking along beside this lady, like I'm doing with you now, just going, you can do it, 
Come on, Judith, you can do it. I know you can do it. I took a backpack off, stuck it on me. You can do it. You can do it. And I talked to her and I said, you're amazing, you're quick. And she's just more and more, she's slowing down. The altitude's getting to her. I can see altitude sickness starting to come all over. And I'm going, oh, I'm encouraging her. I'm motivating her. I'm stimulating her. And down the back of the group, right down the very back, were eight uneducated, untrained uh, family members carrying all our luggage. Carrying, I don't know, 27 kilo, whatever we're allowed to, they're allowed to carry. And they got them way up on their shoulders. And the oldest guy, don't know how old, just walks up really slowly, pushes me aside, <laughs> and grabs Judah's hand silently. And the two of them walked up the hill. Just slowly walked up the hill together. And she never said boo. She was just looking to be understood, just looking for someone to recognize her. And this beautiful, beautiful old man taught me, who's done 11 years full-time university and traveled around the world talking about how to be clever in life, he taught me the biggest lesson of my life. Sometimes you've just got to hold out your hand. But once a day, once a day, you've got to be the thing that you want to give. You can't give what you haven't got. And if this is what you want to give, you've got to once a day sit back and say to yourself, where am I 10 out of 10 in all seven areas of life? Thank you. Church to yeah. And you go to Pokhara? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
A lot of homemade sardine pokera as well. Yeah. Beautiful place. Pokera is the yeah. favourite place from the air. Have you been to Muscat? Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Eh? Yeah. So I've been to Simicot. Oh, oh, oh wow. <laughs> Chased by the mouse, you know. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Have you, have you been to the Annapurna, Annapurna range as well? No, no. Annapurna. No, no, I didn't. I, didn't. Okay. I only go one trail. Okay. 60 times. Okay. Yeah. So. But it's interesting because the, my uh, up here, all the monks who live there, yep. I, I've been going so long. Yep. I, I was there when they came to the um, monastery. It was three, five years old, yep. and now they're wow. grown up. So you, you, you literally are like part Nepalese now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hello. Hi. Did you all just eat? Yes. Are you all going to fall asleep in no, the next okay. 10 minutes? <laughs> well, I'll talk loud, so, and we have a microphone, but if you can hear me at the back, I prefer no. It's okay? If uh, my voice drops. <laughs> ah, that's right. Okay, so uh, Patrice asked me to bring. Uh, to you today some talk about mental health, some talk about emotions, some talk about stress management, life balance. She asked me to talk about wealth creation. She asked me to talk to you all about being the CEO of your firm. She asked me to talk to you about being super sexy people and amazing. Oh no, you didn't ask that. Did, you did? Oh, okay. <laughs> So anyway, there's a few topics we want to cover. Um, as a way of introduction, uh, uh, Chris Walker is my name. I am now a life coach. I wasn't before. Be I started my life as an engineer, building air pollution systems. And then I sold the business and went back to school because I made a mess of it. I lost my marriage. And uh, my three beautiful children sailed off on a yacht with my uh, ex-wife, their mother. And I stood there without money and without children, trying to look back in the rear vision mirror what I'd done wrong. So I went to uni and did an MBA. At the end of the MBA, I was in a worse place than what I was at the start of the MBA. So I actually learned a lot of theory, but I didn't understand myself. And I didn't understand why my marriage went the way it went. So then I went to Nepal and I started to explore Nepal. So the way I did that is I climbed a mountain in Nepal. Because I thought, wow, if there's enlightenment to be had, it must be on the top of a mountain. So I climbed up the top of the mountain and I found out something very important. 
And that is if you're an asshole at the bottom of a mountain, you're still the one at the top. <laughs> That's my first piece of wisdom that I share for today. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I came back and I went to Nepal many times after that, uh, searching for answers. And then I went in America, I searched America for answers. Why, how do you live a life that's fully balanced? How do you live a life that's filled with love and filled with family and filled with children and filled with work obligations and filled with financial obligations and filled with health obligations? How do you do all that? Because it's like a tug of war. You know, one thing's pulling you this way, one thing's pulling you that way, and you're going like this. And everybody in the world says they've got the answer. And I can say five marriages later, yes, wow, <laughs> I'm on to number six now. It's doing okay, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> having lost $57 million in, in a, when the World Trade Center came down and my business collapsed in New York, uh, I can say, well, I, I, I can honestly say that I'm here as a survivor, not necessarily as an academic. So I've gone through a lot of stuff. So I'm not saying to you all, I know the right answer, I'm just saying to you, I know what the wrong answer is. Is that good? Yeah. Is that different? Because usually a speaker comes out and says, I know everything, and I'm saying, no, I don't know everything, I just know what not to do. I think it's really important to realize that uh, um, as we journey along through life, we can learn from a lot of people, but a lot of people aren't necessarily teaching you the whole story. A lot of people tell you what they've they got a hammer and they teach you how to hit with a hammer. But I'm not so sure that if we listen to everybody, we get the answers. Firstly, I don't like uh, um, specialists because over-specialists, over-specialization leads to extinction. Any person who understands the human nature, the, the nature of being a human being, and life balance understands the word holistic. So what I want to do today, if it's okay with you guys, without asking you for any questions, and because time's short, and because you ate food, and because you're going to be so sleepy, get you to run, no, no, no. <laughs> because you also could get sleepy, I'm just going to rattle on and talk, and if you want to interrupt, I welcome it, okay? Is that right with you guys? Okay. So I want to start with what I saw when I walked in the door. Customer love. And the most important thing, and that's just a brilliant statement, and I think it's a great affirmation for any business, but the most important thing that comes from that is you can't give what you haven't got. So if you don't love your business, if you don't love yourself, how can you give love to somebody else? Now, how do you love yourself? Whoa. This is really complicated because the self you are today, the company changes tomorrow and now you've got to be a different you. This self that we want to love is always changing. And yet people will guide you down a path saying love yourself, but then you, you sort of walk down the path and then you get 10 steps and you go, hang on, I'm different and I, don't lo I love who I was or I, I love who I want to be. You can't give what you haven't got. And the secret to reaching the summit of Mount Everest, the secret to reaching the summit of your Mount Everest, is love. Love for yourself. Because you've got kids, you've got a partner, you want to have kids, you want to have a partner, you have to start with the love of the self. 
And nobody gets to the top of Mount Everest without knowing that. I'd like to talk you through that. Would that be interesting? Would that be a good value tool to take away today? How to love yourself more? I can't hear. Yeah. Okay, you fell asleep from lunch already. Guys, come on. So you're all gonna need a pen and paper, please. Migration, what happened every Okay, here we go. We're going to draw a circle on a piece of paper. We're going to divide We're going to divide that circle into eight quadrants. And divide that circle into eight quadrants. And we need to then label each of the uh, crossing points. So I'll write them up and speak them at the same time. If you can write fast, good. The top one is spiritual. The next one is mental. The next one is social. The next one is career. The next one is health. The next one is financial. The next one is relationship. And the next one is family. Okay, so here's the game. It's a game. Nobody's gonna ask you to give this to public, so it's all private game. You're gonna write this down, and nobody in the world's gonna see this except you. So I can reassure you, except for the cameras above your head. <coughs> what I need you to do is score yourself zero in the middle, or 10 out of 10 on the outside, for each of them as we go around. So in other words, you might say, let's do the first one first, really easy. Mental. Do I feel self-confident in my life? Do I feel self-confident in my life? The answer would be, <coughs> 100% would be 10 out of 10, or absolutely insecure and frightened, zero. So you would put a score here, maybe five, six, 10 or something, and put a cross on that line with a little letter next to it, your score. Nobody's gonna see this, I promise. This is not a HR department survey. <laughs> Customer satisfaction. <laughs> then we go to social. How connected do you feel to the world uh, outside your family and outside of work. What's your social network like? Is it really good? 10 out of 10. If it's really a little bit lonely or a little bit isolated, zero. So you put, give yourself a score on that line and put a cross. Go around to career. This is where the cameras are all working up the top. So score, if your job is absolutely perfect and you're on 100% on target with the work you love, then 10 out of 10. If it's absolute disaster, it's zero. Somewhere along the line, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Put the little cross and then put a number next to it so you remember. The next one is health. If zero health is absolutely.
absolute disaster or a 10 out of 10. It's absolutely perfect. Couldn't get any better. I could go to the Olympics tomorrow and do the pole vault. Then it's 10 out of 10. So whatever you call 10 out of 10 or whatever you call zero, put a score. The next one is financial. If you've got all the money you need for the rest of your life and you're totally happy financially and if anybody gave you some, you would give it back immediately and say, no, thank you, I don't need it. I'm just completely happy, happy, happy. That's 10 out of 10. And zero is, I don't know where tomorrow's uh, lunch is going to be purchased from, right? So it's a zero. So you would put a score there. The next one is relationship, significant other. Significant other means your number, significant other person in your life. If you're single, you are your significant other. There's no such thing as a single person in the world. None. You're either in a relationship with yourself, and that's, you can score that, or you're in a relationship with someone else, you can score that. So put your score, 10 out of 10, zero. And last but not least, uh, on this scale, your family. Uh, that's the extended family. And for me, my family is the whole wide world. Right, that's because I'm really old, but you're not. So your family might be your nuclear family or your cousins or your the extended family. Does that make sense, that one? And give that a score, 10 out of 10 or zero, put a cross on the line. Spiritual, the last one, is how you feel when you put your head on the pillow at the end of the night, at the end of the day. Just before you close your eyes to fall asleep, you're all alone, you've given whoever a kiss, and you're just lying there, you're all alone, you feel at peace with yourself. Do you feel it? contentment, do you feel satisfied, deeply satisfied, then you close your eyes, and that is how we're going to score spiritual for the day. So you might score it, I don't know, seven or something. Here's what I'd love you to do now on your piece of paper. Join the dots. call it your VIP, Vision Inspiration Purpose Score, VIP score. This is your score. Out here is your expectation. That's your expectation. The interesting discovery in life is when you get to 10, it gives birth to a new 10. So if you said, I really want to have a job that does that. When you got that job and you're sitting in that job, you'd be sitting there going, now what else could I do? We always birth another, like the rings of a tree, right? You're sitting on a, on a tree. It always births another ring. So what's really interesting about this is when you go into personal development or some guru like me comes in the room and says, rah, 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 and you can do really well and let's go go home and be really healthy and go to the gym and go training and change your diet and exercise and lose weight and jump off the highest building. We don't change your amount of gratitude. What we do is we shift the gratitude you already have out to include a very high health score, but we rob it from another area of life. So the amount of thankfulness is quite fixed inside a person unless you do some serious homework on yourself, the amount of gratitude we have is very fixed. But where we can shove that gratitude, where we can focus it, 
it can go anywhere we like, depending on how loud the speaker is, like me, being the guru, to make you focus on it. So if I said today, work is the best thing you'll ever do, forget your family, forget your health, come to work, and you go, oh wow, Chris is really motivating me to make money and do that, and next thing you know, you're really thankful for work, and then suddenly you look around and go, oh gosh, my family's left. Or your family leaves, and you go, oh my God, my family, my family, you look around and you go, well, work, I didn't do really well. So where we focus our gratitude, where we lose something, or if we're in, if, let's say for, if I break my ankle, I'm really in pain, but my ankle starts to heal. I'm focused on my health. I'm focused, I'm focused. I'm trying to get better, and my ankle, my ankle. But then I look back, and I look at my social life is gone. Something I wasn't paying attention to. So a balanced person, this important thing to write down, a balanced person is balanced in each area of life, not balancing career against family. It's an old sort of thought that you go to work, you run yourself to the ground, and then you go home, Phew. oh God, I worked so hard today. I was so busy. Oh, I've been so busy, I deserve to just be an asshole for the night. And then about three years later, you wonder why you're single. But you've been <coughs> recovering from work at the cost of a family. That's not work-life balance. That's stupidity. That's complete incompetence. A person who uses their work or their home to balance their work is incompetent at work. Competence is when you go to work and you stay balanced for, during the working day. How do you stay balanced in the working day? You get up from your desk, you go out for a walk, touch a tree, come back in, kiss a frog, sit down and do some work. You take breaks, you breathe properly, you sit properly, you stay balanced at work and you come in the front door and this is the criteria that I guarantee. If you can stay balanced at work, you'll come home with more energy than you went to work with in the morning. If you don't, you're incompetent. The, the HR department in the corporate world don't measure that. They say, how did you go at work today? You go, really good. And you walk home, you just you know, collapse in a heap at home. Nobody's measuring. Nobody's asking your spouses or children, how did you go? How, how's your, how, how, how did they go at work? Nobody says it. Nobody surveys those people. <laughs> the gym is some is going to gym getting exercise is part of your working day it's not something you do outside of work it's a way to stay balanced at work you come home with more energy than you're left with now why is all this stuff important well everybody in the world got a mountain to climb everybody in the world got a mount everest what I'd love you to do on your piece of paper right now in small print somewhere is two words. What would you sacrifice everything to achieve? Great family, perfect health, absolute wealth, uh, CEO of the world, be president. What would you sacrifice everything to achieve that? Everybody's got it. It's straight away coming in your mind. You'll know what it is. What do we know? Unless you've got 10 out of 10 in all 
seven areas of life, no matter how big the ring is, unless you know a technique to making 10 out of 10 in all seven areas of life, you can't hit your target. Because if you try to use your senses, how am I going financially? Oh, I've only got 50 bucks, oh, I'm four out of 10. How am I going in my relationship? Well, oh, I'm only having sex once a month, then I must be three out of 10. Oh, how's my health? I'm a little bit overweight, I must be four out of 10. If you use that criteria, which is the outer wealth, your sensory criteria, to drive you in life, this thing has always got a judgment because it's a balance between what you've got and what you want to have. We always want more. You know that about human nature, right? So the only way to get to the top of your field is to know how to score 10 out of 10 and feel like you're a lucky person no matter what is happening. I'm 68 years old, six marriages. I've lost 57, probably about $87 million in my life. I've got a metal plate in my spine. I have failed and I have failed and I failed and I bounce back. I got more energy than most 30 year olds. I ride a racing bike in, in the streets. I've got a TT bike and I do time trial. I go in the ocean swimming up and down. It's nothing to be proud of. What it just says is, I bounced back from a thousand failures to be this age, having as much fun as when I was 17 years old. And the only reason for it is that I know how to be 10 out of 10, no matter what happens to me. I'm lying in a hospital bed with back surgery, three back surgeries, and I still think I'm a very, very lucky person. Uh, all my money goes into rubbish tin. I still think I'm a lucky person. The ability to go out to be 10 out of 10 at any time in any area of life is the secret to achieving the things that you want in life, your Mount Everest. So we have a, on the mountain, we have a, a, an awareness. There's seven levels of the human mind. There's got to, and at base camp, when you're sitting at base camp, which is at home, you're going to work. You need to have your got to. I've got to get some exercise, got to buy lunch, I've got to have healthy food today, I've got to uh, balance myself, I've got to, got to, got to, got to. And that's very important. But once your got to's are satisfied, you'll hear yourself start saying, and I should do this and I should do that. So at base camp, we have the luxury of arguing with each other about our got to. It's a very emotional place, base camp. If you ever watch a movie called Sherpa, where there's a big fight at the base camp of Mount Everest. That fight cannot happen the next layer up. That luxury of having two opposing forces and the emotional extremes of I'm right, you're wrong can only happen at the bottom of a mountain, at the bottom of a business, at the bottom of society. That level of emotion can only happen at the bottom. Fights, arguments, quarrels, disagreements, stress can only happen at the bottom. As you start to rise up, the, the uh, tolerance of that sort of a fight would be fall off. Fall off the mountain if you had a got-to fight at base camp one. So your emotional awareness has to go up as you go up. And as you say, I want to beat my, my Mount Everest, as you get closer to being your Mount Everest, the less emotion you can afford to be run by. You can still have emotion, but you can't let it run you. So this person will start hearing 
we hear me too I live in Bondi by the way this is my favorite word in Bondi oh I need it I need organic veggie <laughs> really seriously <laughs> I need new uh, type And you hear the kids, private school kids in Bondi. Mommy, I've got to have that uh, yogurt. Really, you've got to have that yogurt? I'm not sure you've got to have that yogurt. Well, but, but when the kid says, I've got to have it, mum goes and gets it. It's a really tough, when they get, the kids get that level of thought, it's really hard to tease it out of them. It's a luxury. It's not about financial wealth. It's about a luxury of emotional indulgence and we can afford to have it when we're playing but if you've got a goal if you say i want to have the best family i want to have the best relation i want to have the best career there's a point where you're going to have to sacrifice some of that got to's and move it up a little bit into focus too many strings pulling at the thing so want to uh, choose a uh, desire to and love to equals 10 out of 10 lucky we have to be careful of self-development self-development is corrupt because it will take you out and teach you take all your gratitude from whatever your life and focuses on another area what we're trying to do is expand the amount of thankfulness we have for the whole of life. That's why we stay balanced in all areas of life and we come home from work with more energy than we left with in the morning. If you're committed to something that you wrote down, two words, you can't do it with emotion because this emotion is just a chasing itself around and around and around. What you get, how you get what you want in life is by every day spending 10 minutes, that's all it is. 10 minutes sitting down in a chair all by yourself out in the garden or in a cafe with a notepad saying, where am I 10 out of 10? Now you might say to me, Chris, I'm not 10 out of 10. I've got $20 in the bank. And I will say to you this, I have $100 million in my hand right here. Give me your eyeball. <laughs> what would you say? I can sell them for a billion. <laughs> give me your tongue. Give me your sense of smell. And I, I will put a value on the priceless things that you have. And suddenly you realize you're a trillionaire. But no, we measure the money by how much it counts up in the bank. And we stay sensually driven, trying to achieve our summit. But we can't achieve our summit with the senses. We can't. We only achieve it by feeling lucky, feeling blessed, feeling grateful for what we've got. And that 10 out of 10, you only have to do it for 10 minutes a day. Oh my gosh. Socially, I'm so connected to the world. All I've got to do is close my eyes, like the Buddhist monks do in the Himalayas, and they dream that every person on earth gets touched with gentleness. That's all they do, the monks. That's all they do. They close their eyes and they wish 
all people on the planet and all animals and insects well well-being. So that's for them, that's ten out of ten. Just sitting there in a chair. <coughs> Boom, done. So you could sit there in the thing going, what's my social score? Ten out of ten. Send love to everybody in the world. Including your own customers. <laughs> So I finish off with a little story, and just to show you that uh, I'm a losing guy who learned a lot. I went to Nepal, and there was uh, a, a yoga teacher came, and she was struggling to go on the trip, and she couldn't make it up the hill, and we had to go up one and a half kilometers up and one and a half kilometers down in one day, and she was only 200 meters from the beginning of that walk, and I was standing next to her like I'm talking to you, blah blah blah. Blah, 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 blah. You can do it, Judith. Come on, Judith. You're clever. You're amazing. You can do it. And down the back of my group was a, a Nepalese porter carrying a really heavy load. Really, really heavy load. And this old guy, he, he's watching me and he's watching me and he just starts coming up and they're very shy Nepalese people, typically. And he just pushed himself between me and Judith. And I'm going, blah, 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 blah. And he pushed her pushed me aside and he grabbed her hand. Put down. It's a very forthright thing for a Nepalese people to do, to touch another person like that. Very uh, out of character, but all he did is touch her hand and she looked up and they started to walk together all the way up to the top and all the way down the other side. They never let go, not once. And that's taught me that, that it, all of this is blah, 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 blah. But what's most important is if you hear one of your friends at work say the word God to you, they need your help. And you've got to reach out and grab their hand because they are not in a good place. That's where mental health starts. And if you hear that, remember the porter in Nepal having more knowledge than my 11 years at full-time university and all the travel having more knowledge than me, just with a handhold saying, can I help? That's it. Thank you very much. You picked the best chair. <laughs> that's, that's the best. <laughs> Pillows, and a little bit, you can nod off, no one sees you. Sorry? Yeah, all looking a little bit too
Yeah. Yeah, 